1: Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church.
2: God has a wonderful plan for your life, except that if you don't believe the gospel, the plan ain't so wonderful, right? It is true. If you're a believer, God has a wonderful plan for your life. God wants what's best for you. He wants you to be equipped, prepared, encouraged, ready to weather the blows, the storms of a fallen world. The, the persecution is going to come. And believe me, It's coming. I can
0: see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The anthem for all my
1: life
0: Every dragon will fall The mountains will move
1: Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so blessed by each and every one of you for choosing to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And as always, we encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith delivers another message from his sermon series entitled, Rethinking Church. So if you have your Bibles... Please turn with us today to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. Now, here's Pastor Keith with today's study.
2: And so we have to realize with each passing day, we draw closer to something else, to a day of sickness, disability, pain, agony, tragedy, God appointed trials that are intended to bring out the best in you. But if you're not here, if you're neglecting, stimulating others to love and to good works and to exposing yourself to that kind of stimulation on a regular basis, then you're going to be in a world of hurt. Why is that? Because faithful attendance builds you up spiritually in an incremental way. You've heard me say it before. You can't cram for life, right? If you don't go to church, you can't receive, you won't grow. You just won't. And don't tell me, oh, I'm at home worshiping with my family, the three of us. That's not church. I know people say that, and that was popular. The church has certain marks, and sitting at home with your wife and kids or your husband and your kids or whatever or your roommates and reading a couple Bible verses and stuff, that's not church, okay? Think of it this way. It's like life is like a calculus exam. And if you don't attend class, there's going to be a test question sooner or later that you don't have the answer for. And you're going to fail that test and lives and eternities might be at stake. An unexpected problem shows up and because you only get out of things, what you put into them, if you don't work out your salvation with fear and trembling, if you don't seek to grow, if you don't go where you can grow. You will not be ready for what comes. Pursuing faithfulness is a process. It's a struggle. It's an ongoing activity. That's where attendance comes in. You can't get in shape overnight. You can't build endurance in one day. This refers to, in this passage, what we're looking at here, this pursuing faithfulness involves attendance, presence, to learn, to grow, to receive encouragement, and to give it. And to know how to comfort people. And to know when to speak and when to remain silent. That's why you come here to become equipped. As you see the day approaching, understand. Every day in church, rubbing elbows, catching on, prepares you for the day ahead. Each approaching day, as you walk along with others, arm in arm, connected. Maybe some who've walked the path that you're about to walk. They've walked it before. They've experienced similar hardships. And they can help you. Attendance is essential to your learning how to encourage and how to receive encouragement. you got to be here. You can't practice the one and others if you're not among others. And so you pursue faithfulness. And how do you do that? Let me give you some application here for that. How do I provoke others to love and good works? How do I learn how to do that? Here are some ideas. Number one. Attend this service faithfully, weekly. Get to know people here. Get to know people. Say, I don't know anybody. Introduce yourself. A- a number. Additionally, uh, seek discipleship. Seek training. You see, the church service is just one thing we do here. It's the most important thing. If you had to pick between... Fellowship group or small group or whatever, this is the one. You bring your kids, you bring your family here, first and foremost. But also, we have fellowship groups, we have small groups, we have prayer groups, we have opportunities to train. Jesse is doing, think, biblically. You have the women's Bible study, you have adorned, you have master's men, you have all these things. We have have an entire discipleship process that takes you from point A to point Z. Avail yourself to it. Take advantage of it. So, pursue faithfulness, number one. Number two. Number two is simple. It's really the mirror image. Refuse neglectfulness. Refusing neglectfulness, that's our second activity. Where do we find this? You find this in verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit, the practice of some. But, in contrast, just the opposite, encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. It's kind of interesting. When you look at verse 25, and then you see, the con- you see these two activities, you see the contrast. I want you to notice that on the one hand, the writer of Hebrews, he encourages us to figure out ways on our own to love one another, to stimulate one another, to provoke one another, to rile one another up, con- to contemplate how we're going to do this, to love into to good works. Figure it out, he says. It's an act of worship. You're on your own. Do it. He doesn't spoon feed us. He doesn't give us boxes to check. But then he turns right around and spoon feeds us. Spoon feeds, spoon feeds us the next activity. God does not leave us on our own to figure this part out here. I look at verse twenty-five. Do you see it? I mean, He gives you the answer right there, right? It's like God says, do whatever you can to love one another, stimulate one another, love into good works. But whatever you do, whatever you do, you must never, ever, ever neglect the assembling of ourselves together, as is the habit of some, as some do. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. You know a tree by the fruit it bears, Right? There are people who find all kinds of reasons not to go to church. They get a hangnail. They get a runny nose. They stump their big toe. Whatever it is. Oh, I don't like, they don't like this series. Well, maybe that's, maybe that's the Holy Spirit prodding you to be there. But here's the thing. You neglect the bride, you neglect the bridegroom. But you don't like the worship service, you don't like Jesus. I mean, think about that. You know, you can't... It's like inviting me over to your house. Now, I'm not Jesus or anything like that, right? But you say, Pastor Keith, I'd like you to come over and have dinner at my house. Yeah, you don't have to bring Terry. We can take or leave her, but we want you. That is not going to go well with the husband, right? And when you don't like the bride, the bridegroom isn't particularly thrilled with that proposition. And so this is so important that you, that you not neglect, that you attend faithfully, that there is consistency, there's an urgency. I have to be at church. I remember when I first got saved, I hated Sunday night because that meant I had to wait all the way to Wednesday before I could get, get back in there again. And then from Wednesday, man, I had to get to Sunday morning. Then there was, we lose that fire sometimes. We call it maturity. Sometimes it's just being lukewarm. You know, when I was 12 years old, I joined the Savannah Striders. It was a running club. Now, when I was 12 years old, I was about this size. And so I ran with these college athletes. And, you know, at first they weren't thrilled, but they saw that I came every week for the big run. Every week, every week. You know, when you... When people get up every morning to run, sometimes they go out and they don't know people. And there are all these other yahoos out there running, you know, at 6 o'clock and 5 o'clock in the morning. And they can, you know, they'll miss a day here or there, but they start stacking up days, stacking up days, and then they start making acquaintances. They start, somebody will kind of, hey, keep at it. You know, all that encouragement. And as you apply yourself to being consistent and pursuing that running The other runners come alongside you. Older, more experienced runners give you a few tips. Whatever it is. That's the way it works at church. I mean, people at the track begin to recognize you. People at church begin to recognize you. But if you're out there once in a blue moon, I mean, anybody can go out and run three miles. But can you do it every day? And so in the church, if you're not here, we can't get to know you. And we can't get to encourage you. And it's difficult, if not impossible, to come alongside you, to run alongside you like these runners might be inclined to do. It's like this: If I'm in your fellowship group and I only see you once a month, I can't really get to know you. We can't learn to trust and confide in one another. We can't grow close, and we can't pray for one another. And then there's this mindset, of course. Your attitude and your loss. You can't do life together with others because you really don't know people and you kind of feel out of place and church is kind of foreign to you. And then it becomes irrelevant. And you feel more at home with unbelievers than you do with God's people. Maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe you know about God, but you don't know God. You don't think eternally. Do not neglect the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some some who've established wrong priorities, who know about God but don't know God. Now, when you look at Hebrews 10.25, there's more than just a do not there, right? A lot of times people say, well, it's all about don'ts. It's not just about don'ts. There's a positive aspect here. Don't be neglectful. Refuse neglectfulness. Do not neglect neglect the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some, but instead encourage one another and all the more as you see the the day drawing near. You know, last week when I was walking you through the gospel, we talked about the fact that there used to be the old saying, you know, God has a wonderful plan for your life, except that if you don't believe the gospel, the plan ain't so wonderful, right? And so we kind of made light of that, but it is true, if you're a believer... God has a wonderful plan for your life. God wants what's best for you. He wants you to be equipped, prepared, encouraged, ready to weather the blows, the storms of a fallen world, the the persecution that is going to come. And believe me, it's coming. It's coming. I'll do a plug right here and now a word from our sponsor. At night school tonight, we're talking about What's a progressive and what's a progressive Christian? So just tuck that away. But if you're not here, if you're hardly here, if you're never here, if you're trying to download an MP3 but you really don't listen to it, you watch online while you vacuum or something like that, you know, you're know, you not going to be ready. I remember talking to an individual. They, were, they had had a hard time and they were frustrated with me in this church. People hardly knew them. They felt isolated and abandoned. They were a part of a startup. And we know Silicon Valley with its startups, right? I mean, a startup is a rigorous, rigorous process, yeah? Long hours, hard work, sometimes low pay until, you, you know, until, until everything kind of comes together. But inevitably and invariably, they weren't here on Sunday for something like five years. I mean, once in a blue moon, maybe. And when they came back, they didn't know a lot of the people. And they felt like they'd been forgotten. And I listened to them, and I prayed with them, and I gently challenged them, and I even apologized to them. But in the end, I had to point out to him so for five years, you couldn't attend church because of your startup? It's almost half a decade. And so somehow, way, every Sunday at 9.30 or 11, or you remember we used to do, with the COVID thing, you know, with social distancing, we did three services. You couldn't attend. Did you, did you come to a fellowship group? Were you part of a small group? No, 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 you weren't. Okay. What were your priorities? Job. God, family, where was the eternal perspective? I mean, nobody knew who you were. You just left. You know, now, they left before I got here and they returned after I'd been here. But you know what? if your job is taking up that much time, it's time to change jobs. Because you're not going to come back in and just reconnect. I remember sharing with a group of businessmen once that no one ever says in their deathbed, and it's not my quote. I stole it from somebody else, of course. No one ever says in their deathbed, I should have spent more time with my job. I should have spent more time with my business, not my family and not my God. No one ever says that. It's just the opposite. I would have, could have, should have spent more time with my kids, with my wife, with my friends. Our startup person had not been abandoned by the church. They had neglected the assembling of themselves together. They had abandoned the church. They had cut themselves off from encouragement, friendships, love. See, it's a two-way street and the opportunity to love others, to help others that's where this urgency here is. And so much the more, as you see the day drawing near, you know, it is eschatological, but the fact is time's running out for all of us. All of us have a terminal disease. It's called sin. And the wages of sin is death, and everybody here is going to die. And with each passing day as the day approaches. And if you're not living for God, loving for God, if you're not among his people, if you're neglecting, The assembling of yourselves together, I can tell you what, you're neglecting a whole lot more than just that. And you won't be ready to face the loss of friends and family before your life, before the day, before the bell tolls for you. And so much the more as you see the day approaching, or don't see it. Illness, job, persecution, accidents, death, infirmity, frustration, you cannot cram for life. Don't neglect the assembling of yourselves together. Here in the sheepfold, in the church, in the, in the family, in the family of God, we can encourage you and you can encourage us. We can be there for one another. There's no way the pastoral staff can. We're already three down. There's not enough of us to go around. But make no mistake, Christ is asking you to take up your cross and follow him. So prepare now. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. And you know what? Hardship, suffering, those are gifts. That's a special calling. No servant is above his master. And so he wants you to be prepared. He will prepare you to fulfill the ministry that he's called you to if you're here. If you're not neglecting the assembling of yourselves together. So that you can encourage others. What do you do with that? you got to be here, number one. You've got to be here to make a difference and to experience a difference in your own life and the lives of others. If you want to make an impact in the lives of your own family, let them see you here worshiping God, making it your priority. You know, I meet Christians sometimes who've had the same year of growth, the same one year 30 times, one times, one times, one times, one... They're stunted. They're spiritual dwarves. Then there are those who are here. And it's one plus one plus one. I mean, they're adding, growing consistently. Don't neglect the assembling of yourselves together as some do. Refuse neglectfulness. Find ways to be here, to encourage others, to find encouragement in others. God does have a wonderful plan for your life, and that is growth. He will provide the opportunities. It's up to you to seize the day. I want to read today's passage again in the King James. Just for variety. I'm not one of those King James-only people. It's a decent translation. Hebrews 10, 23 and 25. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Pursue faithfulness and refuse neglectfulness. How? See to it that you and your loved ones at minimum attend the corporate worship service here and if you can do nothing else. It establishes the priority for the entire family to see and experience worship. Two, beyond the larger assembly, get into a fellowship group, make friends. This isn't one of those giant mega churches where you just come in and come out with anonymity. Get into a small group if you can. That's how you do life together. That's how you do life together. Sometimes you'll, you'll get rebuked or corrected in one of these things because it's so intimate and people get to know you. But most of the time, you find encouragement. Overall, number three, see to your household's discipleship. Make sure each and every one you know, of, of the people in your home are here. You say, well, I've got a young adult at home who doesn't want to come to church. Well, then tell them to find another place to live if you love them. But if they're under your roof, they're under your rules. And, you know, I, I, somebody, I said that one time and somebody came up to me and said, did you do that with your kids? I said, oh, sure. But my kids wanted to be in church. They said, well, that's unloving. I said, no, no. Actually, what you're saying is unloving. You know, you want to get your family off of the Titanic and onto the lifeboat of the gospel, right? You want discipleship? Every elder here is required to disciple at least two people, or we're going to un-elder them, okay? I don't care who voted for them. They don't fulfill the role, they go. Ask an elder to disciple you. Look it up in your directory. Call them up. If they're not available, call me, and I'll assign one of them. I've already got three or four people, so... My little little dance card is full at the moment. And last but not least, if you're disconnected, rethink your relationship to Christ. Next week, we'll talk about spiritual gifts. For now, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this word. Lord, it's a hard one, but it's a good one, Father. Help us to not just be hearers, but doers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.